Today on Better News Radio with Pastor Ricky Alcantad. So ask yourself this. Do you see other Christians as people that Jesus himself has shed his own blood for? Maybe you think they're not very lovable, but Jesus loved them enough to shed his blood for them. Do you see each and every Christian as someone God has a glorious and beautiful purpose for them? Do you see people, even who are struggling and failing and falling, as people Jesus is continuing to work in? Open God, oh my soul, He is strong and He is strong to save. Open God, He's a rock in your hiding place. He's a mighty fortress. It's easy to rush to judgment and even allow resentment to build up as we witness the choices and lifestyles of our fellow believers. It may be the smallest of offenses, or it may be something more severe, but we struggle to let go of those conflicts and love those people. As Pastor Ricky reminds us in today's message, we're called to live above that. Grudges don't belong in the heart of a believer. We have been given such great grace and we need to let it overflow into our relationships. Let's join Pastor Ricky for part two of his message, Gospel Affection, from the book of Philippians, chapter one. Last year, I was, I, I was visited the church planning cohort for Sovereign Grace. And so there was these very diverse guys who were coming together to get trained. One guy was from Montana. The kind of guy he was is he brought all of his hunting gear to the airport so that when he got back in, he could leave for a two-day hunting trip. There's that guy. I can't relate to that guy, but I'm intimidated and, and awed by that guy. There's a guy that was born in Albuquerque, bilingual guy who's planting a church in Santa Ana in Orange County. Uh, there's a guy who was, did not grow up impoverished, but has a master's degree in poverty studies or something similar. And he is planting a church in a really, really poor part of Philadelphia. There was a guy planting in uh, Northwest Arkansas, who's a pastor there. And he was a chaplain in the army and has going, gotten out of the army and is going back to plant. And so this is the weirdest group of guys I've ever been together with in the same room, Right. I was just thinking, what are they going to talk about? Like, what do you, I don't know, urban guys, rural guys. And yet, on the first night of the cohort, these guys all shared their stories of how they became Christians and how they got to this point in the ministry to where they were about to plant a church. And you could, like, feel something happening in the room. As they described what God had done in them, their hearts were begun to be knitted together. And then as they described what they felt God leading them to do, it was almost like this, this Holy Spirit moment where you, you realize, okay, you may be in Arkansas, you may be in Orange County, you may be in Philly, you may be in Montana, but we are shoulder to shoulder here. And what's awesome is every two months they would gather together in this cohort. And when I saw them, like later on that year, they acted like best friends. And you think, man, this is the weirdest group of best friends ever. But as they're launching churches and working all these different cities, they're together together in the advance and the defense and the confirmation of the gospel. So here's my question for you. Are your relationships with other Christians built around gospel partnership? Or are they just built around mutual likes and dislikes? Are they built on, we have to show up at the same group every week? Or is there something deeper and richer that grounds your friendships and your affections with people? Because here's the thing, when you build shallow, that stuff gets easily dislodged and blows away. But when you build deep, it takes time, but that stuff stays. That, friends, that is what creates gospel affection over the long haul. But third, third question, what sustains gospel affection? 
We talked about what creates it, but what sustains it over the long haul. See, it's one thing to get, here's what could happen. I could just preach the rest of the message on point number two. Here's what creates it. Yeah, here we go. And get you guys fired up and be like, yeah, let's do it. Um, But what about when they get annoying? What about when they sin against us? What about when we just don't feel like doing the hard work of partnership? What if it just seems like more work than we want to put in? What do we do when we aren't feeling the way the Apostle Paul feels right here, right? That's the real trick. And Paul says two crucial things here. First, he says this, I yearn for you all with the affection of Christ Jesus. Now, at first, this seems kind of like a crazy overstatement. Does, like you're, you're wondering, does Paul really feel as much affection for this church as Jesus feels for the church, right? Jesus died for the church. Okay, Paul, I understand you planted the church, but let's not, let's not get crazy here. No, no, no. He's not saying that. He's saying instead, I feel for you what Christ feels for you. And, and listen to this. Follow the logic. At the beginning of the letter, Paul references this great theological theme of being in Christ. So when we become Christians, a miracle happens. We are not only brought from death to life, we are then united with Christ, and now Christ lives in us through the power of the Spirit. Christ begins this renovation project in our hearts where by the power of the Spirit, we look more and more and more like Jesus. But not only do we look more and more and more like Jesus, we begin to feel more and more and more what Jesus feels. Right? We learn to hate sin more like Jesus. We learn to love God more like Jesus. And we learn to love God's people more the way that Jesus loves his people. So here's the logic. If Jesus is in us and Jesus loves the church, then we will begin to love the church, not just with our affection, but with Jesus' affection. In a sense, we begin to see through Jesus' eyes and then feel what Jesus feels. I have a friend, Jonathan, and Jonathan is trained as a landscape architect. And when he sees like a well-laid-out city or like plaza area, he feels things that I do not feel, right? Like he... He's just like, oh man. Like, remember him describing this one area of Paris and like the way that it's set out and, 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 and just with this like deep affection for the city plans that I thought, I've never felt a deep affection for city planning in my life. But through just osmosis, as I've gotten to know him more and more, sometimes when I'm in a city, I'll think, this is a, this is a well laid out little area here. Look at this, this garden here. And, and so I begin to slowly see through Jonathan's eyes a little by little and feel a little bit of what he feels to the point where now when like new plans are released online for some new city project, I'm in there. I'm like looking at the plans. I'm like, oh, I don't know. I don't know about this. You know, like, like oh, this is very nice. And so, so begin to see through his eyes and feel what he feels. And on a much deeper level, spiritually speaking, that's what happens to us in Christ. We begin to see through his eyes and feel what he feels. And he feels, when Jesus looks at the church, he feels affection for the church because he laid his life down for the church. And it goes even further than that. It goes even further than that because 
all this that Paul is saying is also built on verse six, which is kind of tied together with all of this. So let's read verse six again, because this ties in. Paul says, I am sure of this, that he who began a good work in you will bring it to completion at the day of Jesus Christ. See, Paul is seeing through Jesus' eyes and looking with an eternal and heavenly and divine perspective on the church. And he says these amazing things. First, he says, God began a good work in you. Now, that, that is like the understatement of the year. Jesus came looking for sinners who had turned away from God, who were separated from God, who were under God's just judgment. And instead of crushing them, he traded his life for them. He died in their place for their sins. Hebrew says that he did it for the joy set before him. And why, why would he do all of this? Because God had a purpose and intention for them. Paul feels affection for the church, not because the church is so lovable, but because Christ has loved them and set out a beautiful purpose for them. He says, God has begun a good work in you, and that creates gospel affection in me. He says also, though, that he's continuing to work in them. Because you might think, okay, well, maybe Jesus saved them and died for them, but he hasn't seen them lately. Like, we've seen them lately, okay? And it's not looking pretty. And Paul says, no, 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 no. God continues to be at work in them. They may be a mess, but they are a beautiful mess that Jesus is continuing to work on. He hasn't abandoned the project. Even in the letter to the Philippians, Paul, Paul knows that this church is not perfect. He has to charge them not to give in to worldliness. He has to remind them to serve one another. At the end, my favorite part of Philippians, the most humorous part, is he in the letter, he calls out two ladies in the church who keep fighting in the church. Like just in the letter, right? That's gonna be read in front of the whole church. Like Yodia and Syntyche, you guys gotta get it together, right? And, and Paul is saying that church, which apparently is okay with this massive conflict between these two women, God is continuing a good work in you, even when it doesn't seem like it all the time. Paul is saying, listen, I, I know Jesus has begun this work in you. I know he's continuing to work in you. And he began to feel the affection Jesus feels for the church. And then he says this, he will complete the work that he has begun in them as part of his eternal plan. He who's begun this good work will bring it to completion at the day of Jesus Christ, on that day, the final day, when all is perfected in heaven with Christ. See, the outcome of that work that Jesus has begun in them, that God has begun in them, is not in question. It's not like, well, maybe they'll make it, maybe they won't. No, if they are his, they will make it. And in eternity, God's glorious work will be perfectly displayed through them. So ask yourself this. Do you see other Christians as people that Jesus himself has shed his own blood for? Maybe you think they're not very lovable, but Jesus loved them enough to shed his blood for them. Do you see each and every Christian as someone God has a glorious and beautiful purpose for them? Do you see people, even who are struggling and failing and falling, as people Jesus is continuing to work in? And do you see, do you see these as people that one day they will beautifully and perfectly reflect God's purpose for them? 
And we will all sit in wonder at the work that God has done in them and through them. See, this, this, is, the, this is what it means to look with Jesus' eyes at the church. So ask yourself, do you see Christians as people not just to tolerate, but people for whom Jesus himself feels a deep affection? And when you do, if you are in Christ, that will begin to create this gospel affection in you. So here's my question. What would change about your interactions with other Christians if you believed this? What about people that you don't know yet, right? You see somebody new in church or somebody shows up in your community group and you think, okay, here we go. Like, hey, buddy, you know, it might take work to get to know them. It might be awkward. And, and in the back of their mind, all of us are sort of asking, is this really worth it? You know, is this really worth it? Um, especially during football season when we see opposing teams, colors and things. And you're like, I'm not sure, but that seems like a little too much Green Bay Packer-ish color for me. You know, <laughs> you begin to think that way, right? Or, or maybe you just, you, somebody walks in, you can tell that this person, they may have some issues, you know? Is it worth it? Well, friends, when you look through Jesus' eyes and you see his glorious purpose for them, it becomes worth it. What about the work of, of going beyond acquaintances in the church and forming deep bonds and investing time and money and effort into this stuff? Listen, doing this stuff is time intensive and expensive, right? You have to like, if you invite somebody over for dinner, you have to like think, okay, I have to clean the house or maybe sort of clean the house or at least remove sharp objects. Um, and then we gotta like, okay, our budget, you know, it's gonna be expanded because that, that new family, apparently they have like a million children and so they're gonna come over and... and they, or, or even like, hey, let's get together, let's get a coffee, and then you think, oh, the person forgets his card, and you're thinking, oh my gosh. Like, and, and your friendships take money, right? They take time, they take effort. Is it worth it to go beyond that surface level to gospel partnership, to working alongside them? But it is when you see what Jesus is doing in them and through them. And last thing, what about difficult people? What about people who sin against you? What about cold relationships or contentious relationships? Listen, here's what you have to remember about those relationships. Even in those difficult relationships, Jesus shed his blood for them. He is at work in them and he will perfect his work in them. And some of you, the theological sharp people are going, well, what if they're not, what if they turn out not to be a Christian though, right? Because the way they're acting, I don't know. Perfect, you're evangelizing, right? So you're either <laughs> investing in somebody that Jesus has invested his life to save and is perfecting, or you are telling somebody about Jesus, you're not gonna lose either way, okay? <laughs> so that's what sustains gospel affection. Three brief applications here at the end. What does this look like? I wanna give you some really specific ideas. First application, commit to building friendships with and until there is gospel affection. So commit to building friendships with gospel affection, but build them until there is some gospel affection. For some people, you just do this naturally, right? You have a gift of just bringing people together. Yes, amen, we need you. We need you to like bring together all the introverts and invite them out to lunch and help us, please, right? We need you to do that. But for the rest of us, this is gonna take some work. And I wanna, I wanna push on the guys here for a second. It's especially is needed and necessary with men. I was reading a study from a few years ago, surveying men in England, asking the question, do you have a close friend that you could turn to in a major life crisis? And a one in eight men in England, this is like 2.5 million people or something, does not have even one close friend that they could turn to 
in a moment of crisis or difficulty. Um, it's 10% of married men, one in 10, actually don't have somebody like that in England, and 15% of single men do not have anybody that if a life crisis happened, they could turn to. Now, here's the thing. You think, well, I know people in church. No, it's different than knowing people in the church and having people in the church that you are willing to open your heart and life to and let them get into the messy parts of yourself that you hide from other people, right? That is what Paul is talking about, that you will work alongside and, and go to war with alongside. Guys, just statistically, there's probably 10 to 15 guys in our church that are in that place. And if so, you are not alone. But I think what we need to do as guys is be like, look, we gotta get over this weird cultural thing about forming friendships with other guys and just get into um, relationships as weird. As, like guys don't like to ask other guys to like lunch or whatever because it feels like a weird quasi date. Like, especially when you meet somebody and you're like, hey man, so, oh yeah, you were, we work in the same part of town. Well, maybe, you know, someday we'll be at the same Whataburger at the same time. I don't know though, maybe, maybe not, you know. And the other guy has to sort of be like, oh, what time might you be there on Thursday? You know, hypothetically. I'm like, oh, I might be there about around 12. I'm not sure though. Like, okay, well, maybe I'll be there. I, I don't know though. And right, it's <laughs> just get over it, man. And be like, bro, do you like Whataburger? Great, I like Whataburger. Let's put that in our mouths together on Thursday at noon. Can we do that? You guys can do this. To commit to building friendships with and until their gospel affection. Um, one really practical way to do this, if you're new, is by uh, finding or joining a community group. And, and listen, community groups don't magically create friendships and gospel affection, but the meeting is at least an opportunity for you to build relationships. So proximity does not equal relationship, but proximity can be a great tool in building relationships, all right? That's all I'll say on that. Oh, last thing, as we go to two services, this is gonna be crucial, guys. This really will be crucial because one of my like, concerns for us as a church as we make that transition is that sort of we can kind of step back and just be a little more passive since we don't see all the same people every Sunday. And I think we're gonna need to do the extra work of being like, all right, I'm gonna take this on myself. I am part of Christ's body. I am gospel partners with these people. Let's, let's make sure we're connecting. Let's make sure we're working together, all right? Second thing. Commit to partnering together with gospel affection. Now, I want to read you this great quote from Kent Hughes where he talks about fellowship. In his translation, it's fellowship instead of partnership, but you'll get the quote. He says, what do I mean? Fellowship over coffee after church service is good, but it is not Christian fellowship. It is not the fellowship that Paul celebrated. If you're looking for true fellowship, give yourself to the gospel at home and around the world. Serve together with others in women's Bible studies and children's ministries and youth ministries. Do short-term missions. Join mercy work to alleviate suffering in places like the vast area devastated by Katrina. Take the good news to the poor. Join a band of brothers and sisters praying for the world. This, he says, is how you will experience genuine Christian fellowship. So here's, here's my challenge today, is if you're not, you don't have a place where you're serving alongside others, um, find that place. And it can be really formal, like you could join a service team on Sunday. We need a lot of folks as we're going to two services. Or it could be that you in community group stop being a, a passive participant in community group and you say, hey, what can I do to actually help? You want me to you know, maybe you're, you're meeting somewhere, you show up early to help set up the chairs, or maybe you maintain the prayer list. It, whatever it is, find ways, not just to sort of passively attend and kind of wait for fellowship to happen, but 
to put yourself on the front line with other people and begin to experience that gospel partnership creating gospel affection. Okay, third recommendation, commit to gospel affection through conflict and disappointment. See, here's what happens. When conflict or disappointment occurs, people usually do one of two things. First, they'll turn back into isolation. Maybe forming relationships is hard for you to begin with and you begin to form one and it's disappointing or hard or difficult and you're like, ah, I'm, ah, ah. And you just go back to not having relationships. Or if you form relationships easy, your tendency is going to be when it's hard or difficult, you just drop that one and form another one. You just quick, poop, it's okay, I'm fine. I don't even feel that anymore. I don't even remember that person. Like, you know, and neither of those, I think, friends, is what God would have us do. See, gospel partnership means working through times where we feel no gospel affection and perhaps some ungodly um, dis- like disaffection working through conflict and reconciliation in a godly way. And, and listen, the goal of that is not that everybody is gonna be your best friend, right? Sometimes personality dynamics just don't incline people naturally together. Or sometimes a real conflict has destroyed trust with people. But here's the goal. The goal is that you can love that person genuinely with something of the affection of Christ and you can serve alongside them when you're called to do that. But if you're thinking, I can't pray for them and I don't wanna be on their team or serve with them, Friends, that's, that's an issue. And our world is okay with that, but Jesus in his body is not okay with that. So go to them if there's an issue. Go to them. If you try to go to them, it doesn't work. Get some help from somebody, a wise and trusted friend. If that doesn't help, <laughs> that doesn't work, invite us in as pastors. We would be happy to help, right? But persevere in this. One of the things, I, I've had this picture in my mind this week of, of, of my son, well, I won't say which one it is. One of my sons, can be, um, when you tell him to get dressed and you say, okay, let me help you with your clothes, he just becomes a limp rag, right? Like, like, okay, get me dressed, you know, like. And so you're putting his pants on and you're like, put your foot through the things, like that, you know? And you're like, you gotta help me out here. Whereas the other one usually is like, boop, boop, you know, pulling his, help, like you're getting him dressed, but he's helping himself, right, a little bit. And, and the, the picture that's come to my mind this week as I've thought about this is, we sort of can respond that way about friendship and affection and stuff like that in church, where it's like, okay, I'm in the church. I'm supposed to have friends or relationships. Do it. You know, just do it. Here we go. I'm not going to like it, but I guess I'm going to be in a community group, you know, whereas other people are like, great, I'm, here we go. I'm getting dressed. Here we go. I love this. And, and I think all of us can slip, our tendencies, all of us to slip into like, okay, do it to me, rather than Paul's mindset is I'm going to go with a gospel affection that is a mindset that is deeper than my emotions because these are the people that Christ Jesus has himself united me with, my partners in the gospel. And if you have that mindset, friends, it changes everything. Hope in God, oh my soul, he is strong and he's strong to save. read the entire Bible or encountered it for the first time today on Better News Radio, you can learn about true joy from the happiest book in the Bible. This book, the book of Philippians, shares just how this joy can be accessed and how it's only possible through the love and grace of Jesus Christ. Would you like to know more about who Jesus is and how you can find the joy that he offers? Then please give us a call 
you can reach us at 915-562-7100. That number again is 915-562-7100. We'd also like to point you to a free online book answering questions that you might have. It's called Better News, and it's written by Pastor Ricky. Find it online at betternewsradio.com. Download and read it when you have some time, and feel free to share it. We'd like to encourage you also to join a local church. This will provide you a stable home base for your spiritual growth and a new family to support and encourage you. If you happen to be in the El Paso area, please come visit us at Cross of Grace Church. We meet each Sunday, and we'd love to have you be a part of our time of worship and Bible study. You can find directions and service times online at betternewsradio.com. Just click on church. We're so excited to meet you. Thanks for tuning in today to Better News Radio. We pray you continue to be blessed by what you hear and that you'll meet Jesus personally today. Join us next time for more from the happiest book in the Bible, Philippians, right here on Better News Radio.